Coming to you live from the headquarters of Ariel Tours in New York, I'm Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
things up here on this morning's live edition of the Israel Show, coming to you on the Nachum Siegel Network. My name is Mayor Weingarten. Welcome one and all to today's edition of the Israel Show. We're here every Monday morning in New York, live immediately after, immediately following, JM in the AM, 9 AM Eastern, 4 PM Israel time and around the world, whenever you want to listen to us, available on... The uh, internet, iTunes, and through uh, your iPad, iPod, iPhone apps, and a million other ways to listen to us. And if you're listening to us, you know one of them. (laughs) Please encourage your friends to do the same. A jam-packed show. We're going to focus a little bit on, uh, believe it or not, Israel Apartheid Week, which begins today in the United States and in the United Kingdom. Campuses, hundreds of them, are going to be um, protesting against Israel. This is run by radical Muslims and Jews, I must add. We're going to have a great Meir Milim segment, which will actually wrap up a three parts, the last two parts. This will be the third, and um, bring you great music. And much more. A story out of Israel that happened yesterday, which I want to touch upon because it does have a connection to American Jews as well. About um, 15 years ago or so, a uh, 17-year-old American Jew by the name of Samuel Scheinbein committed a, uh, a murder. And he was... Um, sought after by the American police, but he was able to quickly run away and get to Israel before the police in America caught him. Well, he was an Israeli citizen, it turned out, and so, according to Israeli law, they could not legally extradite him to the United States. This created a huge stir back in the day about uh, 18, 19 years ago. And it turned out that the pressure was so great on the Israeli government to extradite this murderer, this young murderer, that they changed the law in Israel. And believe it or not, it's called the Scheinbein Law, where even though he was an Israeli citizen, but because he was also an American citizen, Israel agreed and did extradite him to the United States. He was found guilty and was given a sentence of 24 years as part of a plea bargain. And it was agreed that he would sit out his sentence in an Israeli prison. And he was shipped back to Israel and was sitting in an Israeli prison for the last 17 years. Well, he's been a problem person. Obviously, he's a murderer and was a very difficult and problematic prisoner as well. Somehow, this is amazing, but somehow he managed, while he was on a furlough, to get hold of a gun and get it back into prison. And yesterday, he used the gun to shoot several of the um, Israeli prison service guards who were taking him from one cell area to another. And there was this... um, uh, the shootout, and at the end of the day, Scheinbein was killed. 
I don't think the world is a worse place that he is not here. He was uh, a, a he carried out a brutal murder, and uh, originally and and yesterday um, hurt. I think he he killed and he definitely injured uh, several of uh, the Israeli um, prison authority people. So that's something that happened yesterday, and it was a big deal, and because we have connections to America, we mentioned it to you. Yeah, and as we said, it's amazing, this thing called Israel Apartheid Week. Now, if you're not, if you haven't been to university for a number of years, you're probably not aware of this. But every year for the last 10 years, around this time, the, uh, there is an organized campaign on campuses around the world, around the world, and in the United States on hundreds and hundreds of campuses, Israel Apartheid Week. They have huge displays. They have uh, uh, rallies. They show um, anti-Israel movies. They have uh, flyers that they're handing out. They, they, there's a huge social pressure also so that when people try to oppose some of the crazy propaganda that they're spewing, the lies, uh, these students that are trying to oppose it feel uncomfortable. Um, it, it's, it's a crazy, crazy thing. Over the last few years, thankfully, some Jewish organizations on campus have been fighting back. But it's still there. And it's, uh, if, if you want to get an idea uh, of, of how organized this is, you could just go online to uh, to their main site, apartheidweek.org. I'll post a link for you. And it, it, it will. It, it, I, I was shocked. I was shocked. I have not been on a camp in quite a while uh, to see the level of vicious, uh, uh, virulent, anti-Israel and, quite frankly, anti-Semitic uh, propaganda that is being uh, um, spewed by these people. And, and many Jewish names are there as well. Not surprising, unfortunately, many Jewish names as well. Um, we will uh, continue talking about that. We'll post links to some of the sites and give you some ideas of what you may be able to do to help. Right after this song, Udi Davidi, Hinei Matov Umanaim Shevet Achim Gam Yachad. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
My name is Meir Wangart, and you're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. We're talking about Apartheid Week, Israel Apartheid Week, on campuses throughout the United States and Europe that begins today. We're, I'm far removed from it, but uh, if you have kids on campuses, or if you yourself are, have been on a campus in the last 10 years, you're probably familiar with, with uh, what's going on. We'll tackle this topic from two uh, perspectives. One is we'll look at the hypocrisy of this movement. Um, we'll uh, share with you some of the thoughts as related by Alan Dershowitz, who's become a great proponent, pro- pro-Israel proponent and advocate talking about what goes on in the other Middle East countries for which there is no apartheid week on campus. And then we'll play for you a segment by um, Dennis Prager, five minutes in which he debunks this whole Israel is an apartheid state nonsense. Very well done. It's uh, the audio of a video clip. We'll post the uh, link to the video clip which you can then share with others. We'll post it on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Israel Show, facebook.com slash The Israel Show. Alan Dershowitz writes, Every year at about this time, radical Islamic students, aided by radical anti-Israel professors, and I'm going to add, aided by many radical Jewish students, hold an event they call Israel Apartheid Week. During this week, they try to persuade students on campuses around the world to demonize Israel as an apartheid regime. Most students seem to ignore the rantings of these extremists, but many naive students take them seriously. Some pro-Israel and Jewish students claim that they are intimidated when they try to respond to these untruths. As one who strongly opposes any censorship, continues Alan Dershowitz, my solution is to fight bad speech with good speech, lies with truth, and educational malpractice with real education. Accordingly, I support a, quote, Middle East Apartheid Education Week, meaning let's not focus on Israel. Let's look at the Middle East to be held at universities throughout the world. It would be based on the universally accepted human rights principle of, quote, the worst first. In other words, the worst forms of apartheid being practiced by Middle East nations and entities would be studied and exposed first. Then, apartheid practices of other countries would be studied in order of their seriousness and impact. So under this principle, continues Alan Dershowitz, the first country studied would be Yep, Saudi Arabia, America's great ally. That tyrannical kingdom practices gender apartheid to an extreme, relegating women to an extremely low status. Indeed, a prominent Saudi imam recently issued a fatwa, which is their um, um, Islamic law ruling, declaring that anyone who advocates women working alongside men or otherwise compromises with absolute gender apartheid is subject to execution. Yeah, execution. And Saudi Arabia openly practices religious apartheid. You, you, you can't, you, you gotta hear this. I, I didn't even realize this until I, I read Dershowitz's article. 
In Saudi Arabia, they have special roads for Muslims only. It's shocking. Nobody knows about this because there is no Saudi Apartheid Week on campuses. It discriminates against Christians, Christians refusing them the right to practice their religion openly, and needless to say, it doesn't allow Jews the right to live in Saudi Arabia, to own property, or even to enter the country. Now that's apartheid with a vengeance. And, ladies and gentlemen, you won't hear any of this on any campus in the United States. No, no. Of course, the second entity on any apartheid list would be Hamas, which is the de facto government in the Gaza Strip. Hamas, too, discriminates openly against women and Christians. It permits no dissent, no free speech, no freedom of religion. Every single Middle East country, except Israel, practices these forms of apartheid to one degree or another. Now let's consider the most liberal, quote-unquote, the most liberal and pro-American country in the area, namely Jordan. The Kingdom of Jordan, which the king himself admits is not a democracy, has a law on its books forbidding Jews from becoming citizens or owning land. Despite the efforts of its progressive queen, women are still de facto subordinate in virtually all aspects of Jordanian life. In Pakistan, I don't know if you knew this, in Pakistan, Sikhs have been executed for refusing to convert to Islam. This is like, I'm thinking this takes us back to the days of the, of the Inquisition. If you didn't convert, then you, you're killed. That, that was quite a while ago, yes. It seems that in certain parts of the world, the world hasn't moved on. And throughout the Middle East, honor killings of women are practiced often with a wink and a nod from the religious and secular authority. Every Muslim country in the Middle East has a single established religion, namely Islam, and makes no pretense of affording religious equality to members of other faiths. That is a brief review of some, but certainly not all, apartheid practices in the Middle East. And that's part of the Alan Dershowitz article. He wrote it a few years ago, but it is true today as it ever was. You're not going to believe this. A Quaker group a group of religious Quakers. Now, in this article that I'm reading from, they're, they're called a peace group, quote-unquote peace group. They began advertising a summer camp for students hoping to become BDS activists at their school. BDS is Boycott, Divestment, and Sanctions, which targets Israel. It's, a, it's amazing. A summer camp where they're going to train kids to go back to their schools and propagandize against Israel and try to convince their fellow students to join the BDS movement. It's, it's scary, I must tell you, because this is the future. These students on campuses and the high schools, these, these are the future generation of America, the, the next generation of voters in the United States, and they're hearing this propaganda day in and day out. It's the big lie all over again. Say it enough, say it enough and people will begin to believe it's true. I'm hoping that next week we'll bring you an amazing story from Israel. We're hoping to get an exclusive interview with uh, with a student in Israel who uh, actually felt this BDS, this boycott, divest, and sanction. A, uh, one guy, uh, a young married student at Bairland University who wanted to purchase some software from Australia. You might have seen the story on the Internet. We're uh, making contact with him and hope to have an interview with him in the coming weeks. And you'll see how even in Australia, when they heard he was from Israel, they refused to give him a student discount that every student from any other country around the world is entitled to. It's unbelievable. Well, we're going to go to uh, something from Yonatan Razel, Haga'agua, and right after that, we'll hear the... Uh, Presentation from Dennis Prager, five minutes, in which he debunks this entire Israel's an apartheid state nonsense. And um, listen, it's an amazing, amazing uh, list of facts that just can't be denied. And yet, imagine how many tens of thousands of students and campuses around the United States and in Europe are not going to hear these these facts, they're not going to hear this information. Instead, they're going to hear the lies, and people, unfortunately, there won't be enough people out there refuting them. This is uh, Yonatan Razel with Haga Agua. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nahum Siegel 
Network. Is Israel an apartheid state? More and more these days, one hears this charge made. Oddly, when South Africa was an apartheid state, no one accused Israel of being one. The reason the charge was never made then and shouldn't be made now is the same. There's no truth to it. To those who know something about Israel or have just visited there once, the accusation is absurd, if not obscene. Indeed, it's a libel. But many people don't know very much about Israel, so let's respond to this accusation. First, what exactly is an apartheid state? And does Israel, or any one other country, fit that definition? Let's look at South Africa, the country that came up with this term. In South Africa, from 1948 to 1994, there was an official policy that declared blacks second-class citizens 
in every aspect of life. Blacks couldn't vote, couldn't hold political office, were forced to reside in certain locations, couldn't marry whites, couldn't even use the same public restrooms as whites. Not one, not one of those restrictions applies to the many Arabs living in Israel. One and a half million Arabs live in Israel. They constitute about 20% of that country's population. Every single one of them has the same exact rights as all other Israeli citizens, and they always have. They can vote, and they do. They can serve in the Israeli parliament, and they do. They can own property, businesses, and work in professions alongside other Israelis, and they do. They can be judges, and they are. Here's one powerful example. It was an Arab judge, an Arab judge, who sentenced the former president of Israel to jail on a rape charge. And nobody batted an eyelash that an Arab judge would sentence a Jewish president to prison. Some other examples. Rita Mansour is the youngest ambassador in Israel's history. Walid Badir is an international soccer star on Israel's national team. Rana Raslan is the former Miss Israel. Ismail Khaldi was the deputy consul of Israel in San Francisco. Khaled Abu Tomei is a major journalist with the Jerusalem Post. Galeb Majadel was until recently a minister in the Israeli government. They are all Israeli Arabs, not one is a Jew. And how many people outside of Israel know that all the road signs in Israel, for example, are in English, Hebrew, and Arabic? Not only is Israel not an apartheid state, Arabs in Israel are freer than any Arabs in the Arab world. No Arab in any Arab country has the civil rights and personal liberty that Arabs in Israel have. That's because Israel is a pluralistic, liberal democracy, the only one in that part of the world. Now you might say, well, okay, Palestinians who live inside Israel have all these rights, but what about the Palestinians who live in what are commonly known as the occupied territories? Aren't they treated differently? Well, of course they are. Because they're not citizens of Israel. They're governed by either the Palestinian Authority or Hamas. The only control Israel has over these people's lives takes place when they want to enter Israel. Then they are subjected to long lines and strict searches because Israel has to weed out potential terrorists. And what about the security wall that divides Israel and the West Bank? Is that an example of apartheid? That's rather easy to respond to. Is the security fence being built between the United States and Mexico an example of apartheid? Of course not. Israel built its security wall solely in order to keep terrorists from entering Israel and murdering its citizens. And you know what? It's worked. The wall, most of which, by the way, is an electronic fence, went up in 2002 during a time when Palestinian suicide bombers were regularly murdering Israeli civilians in buses, on streets, and in restaurants. And the moment the barrier went up, terrorism went down almost to zero. So then, why is Israel called an apartheid state? Because by comparing the freest, most equitable country in the Middle East to the former South Africa, those who hate Israel hope they can persuade uninformed people that Israel doesn't deserve to exist, just as apartheid South Africa didn't deserve to exist. And if you don't believe me, just ask the people who know better than anyone else what a lie it is that Israel is an apartheid state, the one out of every five Israelis who is an Arab, which is why they prefer to live in the Jewish state than in any Arab state. I'm Dennis Prager. Sous-titrage
Meir Milim segment, we shed light on a word or phrase in the Hebrew language. Meir Milim is inspired by the Galeitzahal radio segments of Dr. Avshalom Kor and informed by the teachings of Dr. Lior Gottlieb. A few weeks back, we spoke about the word Negev, which in the Torah means the south. And because the Negev, the southern part of Israel, is a dry desert, the word Negev came to mean dry. In the language of Chazal, l'nagev is to dry something out by putting it in the sun. In modern Hebrew, the word l'nagev came to mean drying something off with a towel or a cloth, and the word for a towel is a magevet. Last week, we looked at the word lehit apek, to hold yourself back from doing something that you're naturally inclined to do. We discovered that the basic meaning of apek is strength, and lehit apek means to strengthen yourself. You steal yourself to act against your instinct, to accomplish a greater goal. V'lo yachol Yosef lehit apek. Yosef could no longer hold back his natural emotions. Aleph, pei, kuf, apek, afek, afik. <laughs> Ke'ayal, like a deer, Tarog yearns, cries out for, Alafikeimayim, afikim of water. My soul yearns for God. How much so? Like a deer in the forest, looking for, yearning for, water. Afikim are water channels, like an open pipe, man-made or natural. Water flows through. A river or stream is a type of afik ma'im. Like the deer thirsts for a stream of water, so we thirst to be close to God. And this now connects with our understanding of lihit apek, alif feikuf, meaning strength. Water's natural inclination is to flow in every which way, to spill uncontrollably. The afik, a water channel, is strong. It holds back the natural inclination of the water, forcing the flow in one direction. And now we can understand an expression that we use every Chag and Shabbat. In the Shira HaMa'alot, it says, Shuvah Hashem et Shivitenu Ka'afikim Banegev. We're a tired people, in exile from our land. We are like the dry, parched earth, thirsting for redemption, thirsting to return to our land. We ask God to please 
bring us back home, to take us out of our state of exile, and doing so, revive our nation, bring our people back to life. Imagine the dry desert, the cracked, parched ground. Now, a stream of water, an afik mayim, gushes through it, and the ground is revived. It comes back to life. Afikim Banegev, I'll admit that till a few weeks ago, as I was researching for this segment, I thought that it means rivers of water running through the southern part of Israel, the Negev. But now we can connect back to our explanation of the word Negev as dry. Almost all the commentators explain the word Negev here to mean a dry place, starting from Rashi, who says, Ka'afikim ba'negev, ka'afikei mayim be'eretz yivesha, going on to the Radak, who says, Negev, negev hi eretz yivesha, ve'hitzmei alamayim, it's thirsty for water. And Rabbi Yeshayahu Mitrani, who says, Negev hu yovesh, negev means dryness. Only the Me'iri actually brings both possibilities. First possibility, negev makom naguv, a dry place. Or, or possibly, Daroma Mash, literally, the south, which is, in Israel, a desert and always dry. Afikimba Negev are rivers of water flowing through a dry land. Not necessarily the Negev of Israel, but dry land in general. And we ask God to bring us back to our homeland, to bring us back to the land of Israel, and in doing so, He will revive us as a nation. He will bring us back to life. So to review, an afik is a channel, afikei mayim, water channels, afikim banegev, streams of water flowing through and reviving the dry areas. And that's this week's Meir Milim segment. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Thank you. 
Eric Einstein. What do you do when you wake up in the morning? Well, I'll tell you the answer. For tens of thousands of people throughout the world has been, I listen to JM in the AM. That's what I do when I wake up in the morning. And it's true. JM in the AM, it's, it's I would say, the life's work of our dear friend Nachum Siegel, who has been hosting the show for 31 years. It's incredible. JM in the AM has brought Judaism in all its beauty and all its glory to people throughout the world. It is a live broadcast of Kiddush Hashem, of sanctifying God's name. And as I've said in the past, if it is possible to talk about radio waves in this way, Nachum Siegel has created on the radio and now on the internet a makom kadosh, a holy place, holy space. And the only way that it can continue to, to survive and thrive is through your support. It is a listener-sponsored radio program, the internet, the apps that reach out literally to every corner of the world and bring Judaism to people of all walks of life. And I've spoken to many. I've spoken to people who have returned to their Jewish roots, have become Ba'alei Tshuva as a result of JM and the AM. The only way it can survive is through your support as listeners. And so we ask once a year that you please pledge and support JM and the AM. You can go to uh, jmandtheam.org and click on the donate button. And we've also posted a link to the JM and the AM Marathon 2014 pledge page on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Israel Show. Please do so. It is an amazing tzedakah. It is the greatest way to support Judaism, all parts of Judaism. It is, as Rabbi Goldwasser has said many times, it is the tzedakah of tzedakot, the charity of charities. So I add my voice to so many who have asked you to contribute during these two weeks to JM in the AM. Coming up on the Israel show, a brand new song released today, Achi Yehonatan, Jonathan Pollard, Dedicated to Jonathan Pollard, it is a really nice and moving song by Golan Azulai, as I say, just released. Before we get to that, a special Mazel Tov wish to our good friends, Helen and Benji Kramer. Not only good friends, but also listener. Benji is definitely a listener to this show on a weekly basis. Tonight, we will celebrate together at the wedding of their daughter, Rusi, to Jason Shore, Mazel Tov to the Kramers of Highland Park, New Jersey, the Shores of Holliswood, Queens, the grandparents, Edith and Walter Kramer, and Helen and Emil Siegel. And um, that comes from everybody at James D.A.M. and the Israel Show and the Nachum Siegel Network. Here it is in honor of Achi Yehonatan, our brother, Jonathan Pollard, brand new. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Yaakov, 
Just released today, Golan Azulai, in honor of Jonathan Pollard. It's a great song. We'll analyze the words, I think, in a future edition of um, of the Israel Show. Uh, it refers back to Kinat David, Tzali Alecha Honatan, very famous uh, part in, uh, from Sefer Shmuel, referring back to Yonatan, uh, Yonatan, the uh, son of Shaul, who was. Uh, David's close friend and ally. Uh, the Israel Show is sponsored by Nefesh Benefesh. They are holding a uh, bunch of Aliyah mega events during the month of March. Visit their Facebook page, nbn.org.il, for more details. And we've posted a link to the New York mega event on our Facebook page. The New York one is on uh, Sunday, March the 9th. It takes place in Midtown at the Crown Plaza Times Square. Um, goes from noon till uh, just about after 5 p.m. Workshops about the benefits of Aliyah, choosing your future Israeli community, retiring in Israel, building your Israel career, discovering the South, real estate in Israel, building a small business in Israel, exploring the North, financial planning and investment management. You and the IDF, Sahal, Israel Defense Forces, uh, a really great set of seminars, and uh, these are taking place throughout the country. So um, take a look at the website and our Facebook page for more information about the Nefesh Benefesh Aliyah Mega Events. And we are, the Israel Show is very proud to be sponsored by this great organization, Nefesh Benefesh. We'll close out with uh, Shlomi Shabbat and Va'ani Shar. But before we do that, we want to thank you so much for listening. Thanks for all your Facebook likes and comments, your emails as well. Thanks to the staff of the Nachum Siegel Network, and my very special thanks, as always, to Nachum Siegel. Aryeh Lightstone with Tech Talk immediately follows us, and then stay tuned to the Nachum Siegel Network for a great Music Monday mix. Until next Monday, following JM in the AM, this is Mayor Weingarten reminding you that nice guys do not finish last. They're just running in a different race.
ניסיתי לשתף אותך בכיף, ולא ידעתי איך. זה תופס אותי בבטן, מתגבר והולך, לרגע לא דואך. אני יודע, כשאת נפגעת זה כל כך כואב, ולא שוכח. למרות הכל אני אותך אוהב. ואני שם, שתאמין לי שאני מאושר, משהו בתוכי נשאר, מזכיר לי שעוד לא נגמר. ואני שם, שתאמין לי שאני מאושר, משהו בתוכי חברים לבקר, ישבנו בחצר, אני מביט בתמונתך ומחפש מענה, כי משהו חסר. אני שומע את כולם אומרים לי להרבות, אני יודע, אני אמצא עוד דרך לנסות. Thank you. 